What's poppin' internet? This is the Pace and Space podcast coming to you live once again this week. I am your host, Calvin, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Leif. What's going on, Leif? Man, doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I cannot complain. Ready to talk to you about everything NBA. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we got a lot of talk about, I mean... We had a bunch of players getting injured over the past week. Some interesting uh, developments going on. I mean, even tonight, there was the most disgusting Kevin Love tooth injury in, <laughs> in the game versus Miami. Um, he, he'll probably be able to, to play moving forward, but it was just, like I said, gross. But uh, the biggest injury news is... To the team everyone feels is the incumbent uh, champions, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they've had actually a plethora of injuries. Um, Clay Thompson's been injured. He had a, an injury on his shooting hand, I believe, on, it, on the finger on his shooting hand. Kevin Love, I mean, not Kevin Love, Kevin Durant has a rib injury. He has like a partial fracture in his ribs. Um, but... The biggest one, what I would say is the biggest one, is Steph Curry going down again. The same game he comes back from his ankle injury, JaVale Gee almost lands on his leg and sprains his MCL in his knee. So he's going to be out for several weeks. Steve Kerr already guaranteed that Steph Curry is out for the first round of the playoffs. And it's pre- I'm pretty sure KD is going to be back in time. Clay's going to be back. Draymond's going to be back. All going to be there. Those guys will be healthy. But without Steph in the first round, I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, namely, I wanted to talk to you about that in the in the viewpoint of does this put the Warriors in danger of a first round exit? It most certainly does. I know Kerr is saying all the right things, but at this point, when you look for KD to be a leader, you're not seeing that leadership you would think, and I kind of feel like Curry is really what gets that team going. So even with KD, even with Thompson, even with uh, Draymond coming back, you know, it's a good team. But the Warriors weren't just a good team. And it's still a great team. With, with, with Curry there, they were otherworldly. And right. I don't know if you're going to get that. I mean, they're going to be a good team. They're still going to play the same kind of basketball they play. But without Curry there sh- pulling up and handling the rock the way we're used to, yeah, it's not as open and shut, especially in round one. Right, and, you know, to put it simply, Curry makes them unbeatable. Not having Curry puts them back in the beatable range. And most years, that still would not be a problem. They could get through the first or even the second round without Curry, and then they'd really need him by the conference finals. But this year, this year in the West, I think is the worst year for you to go from being dominant 
to just really good because the bottom half of the conference is no joke this year. I mean, everyone everyone in the from 5 to 8 seed is at least 8 games over 500 at this point in the season. Excuse me, 9 games over 500. This is not your typical year where the the 8 seed is at 500 or just above 500 and the 7 seed is like right, you know, right above that. Whoever finishes as the 7th seed could just have easily been like the 4th seed this year. And right now, the Golden State Warriors will be facing off against the Utah Jazz. You would assume that they would beat the Jazz. They would still be the favorites, I would say, in that matchup without Curry. But to go up against that team with that defense, with Gobert playing at the level he's at, and if Donovan Mitchell is able to leverage his regular season Rookie of the Year campaign into a monster seven-game series against Golden State, I would not sleep on Utah being able to upset the champs. Uh, uh, that's a bit much. I, I mean, they, they're going to keep it competitive. Prior to if, if Curry were there, it would have been a sweep, easy, easy sweep. I don't know if they can upset them. That oh. might be asking a, a bit much. Okay, let's so even, let's let's even, run through even it. Though you, even though Utah's playing great, they're playing phenomenal basketball. All right, so let's run it down. Let's run it down. Right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the. From the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Minnesota Wolves, that's the four through eight seed. All those teams are separated by a grand total of two games. So there's going to be some more maneuvering and switching before we f- figure out who's the who's going to finish at what spot. So Utah Jazz, if the, if the Utah Jazz were the seventh seed, right now you're saying Warriors are not in danger of getting bumped in the first round. So let's go through the whole list and see which teams you do think have the capability of upsetting the champs. How about that? Let's do that. All right. So Oklahoma City, let's start with the fourth seed. Oklahoma City is fourth right now, but like I said, there's only a grand total of two games separating all of these teams. And last week and the week before, we were talking about how the Thunder were seventh and eighth in the West. So let's say for whatever reason, they drop back down. And they're the seventh seed. And it's Golden State versus OKC without Curry. Is there upset possibilities there? OKC, absolutely. All right. So, OKC. New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, man. Because after you have Anthony Davis, what's that? who else do you have on that team? Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday. Well, the... They're, they've kind of become a team where the sum is gr- is greater than the individual parts in a way. Because when you look at these names, they don't really, like, wow you. Like, Drew Holiday's been playing really good. But, you know, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Nikola Miritich, you know, all these guys like that. But in the system they run and the way they play, like, these guys are actually getting it done. 
Right. But right. I, yeah, I to me the Pelicans are the least likely team to upset the Warriors out of all these teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I I wouldn't give it to them. Nah, they can't do it. All right, so so far you say Jazz, Pelicans, not a danger to upset the Warriors. The Thunder would be a, a danger to upset them. Right. San Antonio Spurs. No. No, not at all. No chance at all. Not at all. Okay. I slightly disagree with that, but I guess not enough to hold us up. <laughs> so I'll move forward. Last one. Well, I guess I can't say last one because the the 9 and 10 teams might still make the playoffs. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. Especially if Jimmy Butler comes back. If Jimmy Butler comes back and he is playing like the Jimmy Butler basketball he was playing before he got hurt, 100% upset possibilities. Um, I, I mean... You just look a couple weeks ago how the T-Bulls handled the Warriors uh, when Curry was missing from the ankle injury. And they still had everybody. They had Draymond. They had Clay, They had KD. We were talking about that. We were talking about how KD has not stepped up and how they were losing games that you did not expect them to lose. So and one of those games was them losing handily to a Minnesota team that didn't have Jimmy Butler. So you bring Jimmy Jimmy Butler back and his leadership in the playoffs. Golden, I think Golden State would be in trouble in that series. So, yeah. So two teams. So you you have two, two teams. teams. You have two, two teams. teams. I think it's more than two. I think I think you have to give some possibilities, even if it's slight, to Utah and San Antonio personally. Um. If Denver makes the playoffs, I don't really think they'll do they'll do that because they don't play any defense. And then the Clippers, I don't think the Clippers would either. So, all right. So, but it just goes to show that this this can get dicey depending how the matchups shake out. And then if they get out of the first round, and if Steph is still kind of slow to get back, then they're potentially looking at playing the Portland Trailblazers in the 2-3 matchup in the second round. I don't know, man. I Without Curry, I with think that's going to be tough. With, well, that's saying without Curry. Without Curry, yes, it'll be tough. Yeah, definitely. Like, well, I, I still think KD will take it to another level. I, I still have full confidence in KD. Just... That's that's fair, I, you know. Katie's a phenomenal player, he really is. But, I think when you step back, and you look at his career, like in Golden State and in OKC. He. Even in his MVP season, they played really good, but. They you know they couldn't they couldn't. Roll, they couldn't roll through. They couldn't go deep. And I don't know. It's just There's just something about it where, like, he can play amazing and he can put up stats. But unless he has one or two other elite players to elevate him, he, he, can't, he can't 
take it over. He can't make it over the hump. And I guess you could say that about a lot of guys, but I'm singling out KD because, you know, after the finals, he got finals MVP. Everyone was, you know, a lot of people were saying he's clearly the number two, nipping at LeBron's heels for the best player in the league. And I don't know. I just I just don't feel like he has that that level of dominance. Really? Yeah. Like on 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 his own. Like I, I'm still I don't know, I'm still I'm just so surprised that in this whole run where like Curry was missing, there wasn't more games where where Katie was just like, I refuse to lose. We're winning this. I came here for dynasties. I came here to elevate myself. I came here because I'm tired of being number two, right? All that stuff. And and he's so easily happy being the number two guy there in Golden State. And even with Steph's out, he, he has more of this mindset like, all right, well, we'll just play our game. There's no need for me to go above and beyond just because Curry's out. And I just don't see I just don't see that that like pit bull, you know, that like I'm gonna take this game by the horns and and I'm gonna win it. And you see, and I think that's all part of the uh, the decision when he went to Miami. Not Miami to Golden State. To Golden State. I'm sitting there watching the game. I'm like, yeah. yeah, Miami. Yeah, going to Golden State. You know, I think that's all part of it. You know, not having that mindset that you know what I can take this thing over that's all part of the thing where they were up 3-1 and they lost i think that's all part of KD so right. that's what i'm do saying do i believe do I, do I believe what you're saying that they don't have that mindset i believe it so and that's what yeah, worries yeah. me that's what worries me come playoff time like like if they go in this like if I mean, we don't, we don't think the Pelicans can, Pelicans are gonna give them much of a trouble, much trouble. But if Anthony, if Anthony Davis comes into into that series and Anthony Davis is like, you know what, I'm gonna show the world I'm the best player in this series, and he's just doing like forty and fifteen every night, is Katie gonna respond to that? Well, let me take me take me change that narrative just a little bit, because I still do think that it's not going to be an uh, open-shut thing if they win against the Pelicans. It's going to be a good matchup. It's not going to be a sweep. And, of course, they can win any game, you know, especially if they come out sluggish. You know that Anthony Davis is going to come out balling. You know that's going to happen. Right. So, and now you don't have to worry about Curry. When you... Not having Curry on the floor changes the dynamic of that team completely because now you don't even have to worry about, you know, this guy shooting the ball from the half-court line. You know, now it's kind of like, look, I can now play everyone besides Clay who can shoot just as well. That's it. You know, I can still play. And even Clay, when he comes back, he's coming back from a broken thumb or something like that. So, yeah. He, he's not going to be 100%. So, yeah. 
the the matchups are going to be closer than they would have been if Curry were there. Right. They that's that's true for all of these teams. I mean, the the Pelicans can still score even without Cousins. They're tenth in offensive rating. They're pretty good at spreading the floor and shooting. They they're one of the best teams in effective field goal percentage. And then you, I'm I'm just saying that you know when we talk about KD and that superstar that he can he can take it because that's that's the assumption right? Well, they have KD. KD is an even better player than Curry in a lot of people's minds, so they should get through the the first round no problem because they still have their best player. And you know we've we've talked about that o- over several different episodes where you know I don't. I think you believe it too, but I definitely believe that that Curry is the best player on that team, not Kevin Durant. And yes. he's also the most important player on that team. Yes. And Absolutely. you know, and I think and that's not such a a hot take that he's the most important player cuz I think anyone who like looks at off on numbers and advanced stats will kind of agree with that because of the, their net rating with Curry is much higher than with any of the other superstars, and it, there's a clear there's a clear drop off in their dominance when Curry's not on the court. I, most people accept that, but what I'm concerned about are those matchups. Like like if they play the Timberwolves, and Jimmy Butler is like, you know what, I'm the best player in this series, and he's doing things. He, and you know he's doing MVP level things because there was starting to be some MVP buzz for Jimmy Butler. I mean, not like he was gonna win it, but you know at least maybe he would end it up like with some third place or fourth place votes if he if he didn't get hurt. So he can come back. He could do that. He could be that guy again, you know. And then you still have Towns and Wiggins and all those guys. So if they're if they're rising. To the occasion, is KD gonna be the type of person to be like, sit down, y'all not at my level. This is what I can do. He has it in him. He just never he, brings it out. He has it in him. That's the thing. And and let me and let's not say that he hasn't brought it out because he has the ability to go and just elevate his game. We saw that in finals last year. I mean, he elevated his game. Well. He elevated, he elevated his game, but he was also able to do that because of the cushion those other superstars gave him, especially Curry. What I'm talking about, when you don't have that security blanket, still doing that. And that's what you don't see. Right, because even in OKC, you're not you're not, you're not seeing you're not seeing that right now. You're not you didn't you're not seeing that in OKC. You didn't see that in OKC. He always had that player. He he had Curry. He had Westbrook. That's yeah. his game. Yeah, I mean OKC. He had when they went to the finals. He had Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka. That's that was a phenomenal team, and he had Westbrook for years. Now he has Curry, Clay, Draymond. And I'm not saying he has to do it by himself to prove. All I'm saying is, I just want him to just 
sans one player in this first round or in this second round, whatever, it's, like like grab grab the series by the horn, by the horns, and and just dominate it. And can you do that without perfect conditions? Because he did that in the finals, but he did that with perfect conditions. Like they were easily routing the Cavs in most of that series. And there wasn't really a lot of pressure in that series. And he was able to stay loose and just pick his spots and really fill up the stat line because of it. But if the series got tight, what would have happened? We still don't know that. And and that's the type of situation he's going to be in, I would I would assume, um, even from the first round. Because this is... This is one of the toughest Western conferences, I think, in recent memory. Wouldn't you agree? It is. Absolutely, from top to bottom. So this isn't even like to, you know, just um, drudge up, you know, concern for the for the sake of concern. It's not like, oh, you know, it's not like it's the 42 and 42 seven seed that we're saying going to beat them. Like, like, these are teams that could probably be two and three and four seeds any other year when you look at their record, when you look at their net rating, things like that. But because of how tough the West is this year, those teams are fall- falling to the bottom of the conference. So you're facing a team that's not your typical seven seed or eight seed or six seed. You're facing a team that is... Quite frankly, a team you probably wouldn't have faced until the second or third round in most years. Exactly. And so it's a tough matchup. It, the West the West is not a game. It's it's, it's not really not. It's really not. And I, I think that's the bigger point. The West is not a game. I mean, I've been talking about how great I think the Trailblazers look and how great they've been playing. But it's it's they're in a three six matchup and right now they're they're paired up with the Spurs. They could be paired up with the Pelicans, with the Thunder, with the Wolves, anyone. There's no guarantee they're going to get out of that matchup. And there's they would I don't think anyone would consider them a heavy favorite even in the 3-6 matchup. They're probably going to be a slight favorite if anything. So, it's a tough it's a tough Western Conference. Um, you know, Houston's going to have their their excuse me. Houston's going to have their hands full at the 1-8. I mean, Imagine that Houston won Minnesota Timberwolves eight in the first round. That's a crazy matchup. That's a crazy matchup. Still go Houston, but it's a crazy matchup. Yeah, I mean, I would expect Houston to win that, but they're gonna get beat up in that series. Right, and then after that, you're gonna have to go on, and that next series is gonna be even tougher. Right, and then the next one, if it stays the way it is now, would be OKC or New Orleans, one of those two teams. And that's not a cakewalk, so forget it. Yeah, you see, it's, it's. I can't wait. We got what, a couple, a few weeks. Yeah, it's. I I want the playoffs already. Like. That that's how exciting it's getting. Um, so, open questions about the Warriors, these injuries. I mean, it's it's really putting a damper on their season, because, um, while. Everyone is looking to for the unexpected to happen. You know, everyone loves an underdog winning. They love the upsets. No one wants to see a compromised or depleted Warriors team go out. 
you know, every, every, you want to see all these teams at, at, at their best at 100%. Right. So, yeah. So, man. but speaking of 100%, LeBron is playing at 100%, and I would say then some. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, Leif? LeBron is playing like King James right now. Yeah. And it's impressive. I mean, his level of excellence is really at a all-time high. His efficiency, his numbers. He's arguably playing at a level he's never played before at this point in his career, which is phenomenal in itself. And they've had some impressive wins, uh... Lately, uh, namely that that come from behind win against Toronto, that was a big win. He had 17 assists and zero turnovers. So, I say this to you to ask: Is LeBron? Are we watching LeBron ramp things up on his way to another Finals appearance? All right. Do. This is good. This is good. Whenever you take the, the sigh, you have to let out the deep sigh and take a deep breath. That's when you know it's good. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna answer that in two parts. LeBron is telling people, do not forget about him. Because right now there's a lot of talk about Harden. And right now, most people would say that Harden is the MVP of the league right now. Rightly so. Um, some will some some will even go and say, "Well, Anthony Davis is making a push." Last week, you were talking about Damon Lillard mm-hmm. even making his move. Mm-hmm. LeBron is telling you, uh, "Don't forget about me." You know, look at my numbers. The numbers don't lie, and he's playing on another whole level. So. For one group of people, he's saying, don't forget about him. Where I feel like right now, we can make sure that he's in that MVP talk. And honestly, the one reason why we really took him out is because Harden has Houston as the number one, as the best team in the in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And because it's Harden. But... We can't forget about what LeBron's doing. And when you stack their numbers against each other, I mean, it tells a whole different story. So LeBron is just there, and he's just balling out. He's he's having fun. His teammates are having fun. But now that comes to the second part. Do I feel like this right now is getting them to the point where they're going to make another finals appearance? I don't know. I I don't have much confidence in this team. And I've watched several games with them, with this new roster, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't give me confidence. Even with Love back, I mean, Love's been playing well before he got his tooth knocked (laughs) out. You're right over there? Yeah. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, it, it, they, they, they don't have that feel. They don't have that feel of a Cleveland team at the end of the season. They're, they're riding high. Their players are starting to rest up, and they don't have that feel. So 
I don't know. I don't feel like another finals appearance, but I do think that LeBron, he's in beast mode right now. And I don't think he's going to stop that, and I think that's going to carry over into the playoffs. Yeah. um, I like how you answered it. Um, I looked at that, especially the performance against Toronto, the 17 assists, zero turnovers. And I look at that as it's amazing. And you can say, oh, look, they look, look how they handled Toronto. Toronto's still not ready for them. That's one way you could look at it. Um, the flip side of it, you know, if I'm Toronto, I feel like I feel like we left we left the game on the table. Like we should have won that game. We we took our foot off the gas, and nine times out of ten we win that game. You fast forward to a series where it's Toronto and Cleveland. Cleveland does not play defense. Toronto put up almost eighty points in that first half. If I'm Toronto, I'm I I I feel comfortable with with knowing that LeBron has to perform like that every night if they want to beat us. And you could say, well, LeBron can do that, so that's that's not really a smart strategy. And while yes, LeBron can play that well and fill up the stat line, there's no way he can perform for four straight games with the efficacy that he did in that game. 17 assists to zero turnovers does not happen more than once in a blue moon. No, it doesn't. But right now, LeBron's playing with confidence. He is. But, see, after they lo- after they won that game, they've still lost some bad games after that. Exactly. And they've lost bad games before that. And they've right. lost games they should have won. And it all right. goes back to the point of, and this is what I've been saying throughout this year, LeBron is playing at, at a phenomenal rate, but I also think that we're hitting a point in time, or maybe this is just the, the, the weakness of this roster, is that we're at a point where, and this is, I would say, the first point in LeBron's career, where he can play this well but still be able but still lose like if lebron has to do all this it's not guaranteeing wins and that, and that's kind of like and that's kind of where i'm at with this like the games they're losing it's not like lebron just doesn't have it those games it's not like he's, oh. you know, it's not like he's he's this hot and cold, streaky person. Like, he's still LeBron. But the thing is, like, he's able to put up these offensive numbers because he's not playing defense on the other end. And then you could say, well, in the playoffs, obviously, he's going to turn it up. Regular season, it is what it is. And I say, I say TBD on that. I say remains to be seen because even last year he was not playing at the defensive level he was even in the playoffs in previous years. And he had a he had a nice run in Miami and um in that 2016 finals where he played like elite elite defense. But for the majority of his career, 
LeBron is not necessarily someone you would call a defensive stopper or a perennial first-team All-NBA defensive player. He's a good defensive player, and at his peak, he, when he was locked in, he was, he was great. But we're at a point in his career where, where he's starting to trade things off. And he's trading off that defensive effort to keep sustaining this team on the offensive end of the court. So, he, 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 right, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Right now, he feels like he has to take, he, he can't, he can't keep that level up on both sides. He can't. Does it's that change in the playoffs, though? Can, can LeBron now say in the playoffs, here's my defensive effort? I don't know if he can because then what happens to this offense? He's going to pick it up where he is going to try to. He's going to take instead of taking games off, he's going to take quarters off. I hear you. I I still say that we're looking more at an amazing feat of individual performance rather than a precursor to his team's success. That's where I stay. I I think I think we're witnessing a, an amazing individual LeBron season, but I don't think this is this is guaranteeing, or I don't I don't feel confident this is leading to, you know, his eight straight finals appearance because I look at that team, the defense. I mean, this is the worst defensive team he's ever been on, and they made a whole bunch of trades. But when you if you paid attention to, I would say ninety percent of the personnel that came in on those trades, defensive prowess was not high on most of those guys. George Hill, he's been known as defensive guy. He's also kind of washed. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. I mean, everyone just said, everyone just assumed that he was not happy in Sacramento so he wasn't putting the effort he came to he came to Cleveland playing against the best player in the world playing with the best player in the world and then everybody said oh okay I guess he's just done because he's not doing much on the offensive end and he's not even like he's he doesn't have the same defensive level he used to and he's not doing enough on offense to even keep him on the court if he did have that defensive level you know what I mean no, I know exactly what you're saying. And Nance looked good, but Lance Nance looked good before he got hurt as an effort hustle glass cleaner, not a defensive anchor. And they were playing him at the five. They were playing him at the five, which is to me, that's 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 like playing love at the five, only you don't have the twenty plus points per game guy on the other end of the court. So, Clarkson, he, he he doesn't even try to play defense. I, I watched him in L.A. for years. I love Jordan Clarkson. He's my dude. He doesn't even try on defense. Nah, he doesn't. So, and Hood, and Hood, he looks like he should be good on defense. You know, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, got this amazing wingspan. You think he was a three and three D yeah, kind of guy? He he looks exactly like he looks like a three and D guy, but, but he's a 
three and eh, I'll give you. He's you know, he's I'm a two and a half. He's like a three. He's like, <laughs> like he takes a step in for, a step in from the three point line. That's yeah. the kind of guy. He's like a two and a half D minus guy. He's not a three three and D guy. And you know, as the weeks progressed, you've kind of started to understand why Utah was okay with trading him. Which you know, which is funny because when you flip it, the the player that they got in exchange, he's fit in very well. Jay Crowder has fit in very well in Utah, and he's been able to do all the things he was supposed to do in Cleveland. Now in Utah, which is very interesting, they they got rid of Rodney Hood. They brought in Jay Crowder. You know, Gobert comes back, and all of a sudden they're the best defense in the league again. And they're back in the playoffs. They're running these crazy win streaks. All of this happened after they traded Rodney Hood. I don't think that's a coincidence. Nope. So, it's it's just. It, it, they were hoping for big things for Rodney Hood and never got it. So, yeah, I think they were more than okay with letting him go. Right, because he's also up for contract. He's his contract's also coming up, I think, this summer. And you have, they have to decide. Well, are we gonna pay him like he's our future, or are we gonna part ways with him? And they chose to part ways, which I think in the long run made a lot of sense. They they have their future guy now in in Donovan Mitchell. They know. Ronnie Hood isn't that guy. So cut bait. Get what you can. I mean, they now they have Jay Crowder's cheap contract for another year or two and he could fill in that role that that uh three and D role. He's actually doing it in Utah, even though he wasn't able to do it in Cleveland. Um, which also makes you wonder about the defensive schemes they're running in Cleveland as well. So yeah. I don't know. So, long story short, while he's playing amazing, I, I'm not sitting here like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to the finals again. I still think it's an open question. I feel the same way. You said everything I said. Yeah. And Toronto is, they're playing really good. That that loss notwithstanding. Um. I think, you know, the playoffs are going to be a different story. It's going to be interesting. Um, but I think, and I think it's going to have to be maybe Toronto because Boston is also falling apart with injuries here, which we, we didn't even really discuss. But, like, Kyrie Irving's getting second opinions on his knee. Yeah, he's out for, what, three weeks? Yeah. He, three to six? Yeah, he might... They might not see him back till the playoffs, if that. And I don't, I don't think he's coming back until the playoffs, the earliest. Yeah, so that's not looking good. And then if Kyrie's not coming back till the playoffs, I do not expect Ainge and and Brad Stevens to try and push for Gordon Hayward to come back. Yeah, I think if I think if the team is healthy and they look pr- primed to perhaps make a finals run. Yeah, then you then you risk bringing Hayward back because you move all your chips forward at that point. Hayward's not coming back. But yeah, so it doesn't look like Hayward's coming back. Marcus Smart Hayward, is out as Marcus well. Marcus Smart is out. Hayward's not coming back. Um, 
Irving three to six weeks. So there he goes. And they were the the mystique was already coming off of that team. They were looking more and more beatable as the season progressed. Um, you know, Jason Tatum hit the rookie wall. Jalen Brown, he's still playing well, but he he's not a guy that can make up for the scoring when you need that other scorer. And while Horford has been a nice glue guy anchor, um, if teams if teams forced the other Celtics to beat them, you would think he would be the other guy to step up, but he he's content with his eight to ten points a lot of nights. So they were already looking like perhaps a team that was beatable. This just makes it a step worse in that direction. So I so outside of Toronto, I think I'm gonna take it to one other team that might have a good shot, especially now that they got a big addition back. And I know you wanna talk about this. Mar- Please do. Markel Fultz has finally returned to play NBA basketball games. Ooh-wee. No more iPhone videos of his shooting Ooh. his shooting form in in shoot arounds before games. Nope. No more of that. He's actually in the games. He played and he played pretty well in his first game back. What did you think? What did you think of his performance? Man, look, I know, I know you. You said he didn't shoot much, and and that's okay. I'm not mad at that. He did it. <laughs> I'm I'm not mad at that. I'm I was just happy to see him on the court, and he showed glimpses of what what the Sixers were thinking when they drafted Fultz. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did his little he- hesitation backup sh- um, shot. I mean, it, it, it looked ugly because it bounced all over the rim and went in, but it, it went in. You know, he he went, he did some driving. I mean, 10 points, 8 assists. 4 rebounds. 4 rebounds? I mean, that's not bad. No. I mean, that looks better than what, you did, what he did before. And... This is the kind of player the Sixers need in the fourth quarter. They need the kind of guy who you can put the ball in his hand and say, all right, look, we got four minutes left for the game. Bring us bring us home. And Simmons right now is a guy who's going to keep you in the game for 44 minutes, and so is Embiid. But you need that guy, and you know what I'm talking about, that kind of guy, like like Wade was that kind of guy. Give him the ball, get out of his way. And I'm hoping Fultz can be that kind of player. So just to see him on the court, kind of seeing him, you know, he started a little rusty, but he kind of shaped, came into form a little bit later on in the game. I hope they give him some, some, some burn, hopefully, you know, 15 minutes a game or so. And that's good. Hey, I'm, I'll, I'll, I love it. I love it. I like what I saw. I mean, it's still not number one pick potential, but this is the first time he played since last year. So I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool, but also a little overeager how the fans were just roaring in excitement just because he was dribbling the basketball up the court. Um, Come on. I mean, it was great. It was a nice response, you know, for him coming back. But it was almost like soccer momish, like they were oh, congratulating every single thing he did on the court. No, man. 
Nah, having said that, having said that, having said that, he looked good. He looked good in the role they gave him. It is exactly the role that I think this team needed filled in order to complete their their dynamic for as a playoff team because they didn't really have that second unit guard that can give a different look to the defense. I mean, they, they have, you know, yes, they have TJ McConnell, but Markel Fultz is another, is another fact. He's an X factor now. He can come in with that second unit, and he can do a lot of things. Now, having said that, you didn't, you didn't trade up and draft him one overall to be your second unit guard. But for the time being, this feels a desperate need for the team and actually makes them, I would say, a bit more dangerous for the playoffs. If you can have a guy like Fultz come in, run that, run that second unit, and play like that, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Exactly. And with his talent level, yes, he's a sec. He will be a second unit player. But with his talent level, if he gets if he gets rolling, he gets his confidence back. He you know he even gets his ability to shoot a jump shot back. Then you're looking at like he could have Jamal Crawford esque nights in that second unit in the playoffs. And it's a nice role for him. It's not as much pressure. He he doesn't have the world on his shoulders like say a Donovan Mitchell does for Utah coming into the playoffs, where he's like their ninety percent um, playmaker. You know, he all he has to do is come in, keep the ball rolling, um, go up against the other team's second unit, and not mess up and it's it's a good role to come into it's not a role most first overall picks get to be in and i think it's it's very interesting um i think the six i think and this is this is why i want to bring up because i think the Sixers can make a deep playoff run i think so too they're the fourth seed right now they're the fourth seed um they'll they will be they'll face the pacers in the four or five matchup as of right now, that will put them against the Raptors in the second round. That's going to be interesting because, well, and, and the interesting thing about that is, like, these are the two teams I think could beat Cleveland, and they're going to, and both of them are going to basically knock each other out in the second round if things stay the way they are. But, you know, talking about, you know, the Cavs and LeBron, like, I don't know if I don't know if Cleveland could beat this Philly team if I'm being hundred percent honest in a playoff series. I don't think they. I think. <laughs> let me not say that they can't. I'm gonna say, man, it is going to be tough. It is going to be tough because, especially when you have Simmons out there playing the way he's been playing and Embiid. And it just seems like they've put in these pieces around them, around who 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 just know their role. It's Asarich, which is Redick, right? You know, Bellinelli. 
I mean, they, these guys just come in and Illusova. I mean, they just come in and play and play well. And they, and they got some veterans on the team. They started the year off without shooters. Now they have shooters. Yeah, they, they made some. They actually made some smart veteran additions along the way. Like you said, getting Bellinelli. I love that move for them. Getting Bellinelli, Ilyasova was another great move. These were these are moves you don't think too much about, but these are guys that come in, they play their role. They they've done it on a bunch of teams already. Even JJ Redick, you know, these are guys that they're not gonna come out of their zone, and they're gonna let they're gonna have to let the stars be the stars, and they're gonna fill in that role and get those open shots and make teams pay for for not for not um, respecting them. So that's so. It's very, it's a very well put together team right now, and it's just, it's just interesting because I look at these matchups like I, I think they're gonna be a handful for Toronto. Like I don't even, I don't even know how that series would shake out. But then I'm looking about it. Then I'm looking at it like if they get, if they got to face off against Cleveland, I don't know what Cleveland's gonna do with Embiid. They don't have anyone that can stop Embiid. I mean, I guess you could put LeBron on Simmons, but that doesn't even really solve the issue. When you have all those shooters on the court, and this and this Cleveland team is terrible at stopping the three and terrible at defense, so it's it's kind of a matchup nightmare. I know I you know I know the conventional wisdom is don't you know don't bet against LeBron, especially in the playoffs. He's you know he's still the best player in the league, but you know I like I keep saying I'm more and more believing that. This this year, this team, I think even LeBron's greatness might not be enough to to carry or will this team to the finals. I I think he's gonna need some some Herculean efforts from some of his teammates. He's gonna need a lot of help, and this is a team that hasn't been together for a whole long for a whole lot of time. So. And right now, all the growing pains that they're going to is how they come together as a team. I mean, just for now, they lost to the Heat, and they didn't look good. No, nah, they got smacked and, by the Heat. And this is a team that's been put together for the whole season. So you go against this team, you got to come, you know, playing 100. And yeah. it seemed like they came in, and they were kind of lackluster. Right. Yeah, they got smacked by a Heat team that hasn't looked good lately. Didn't have Hassan Whiteside. Fell fell back to the eighth seed in the East, and they smacked Cleveland. Pretty much had the game from beginning to end. And, and when I go back to like big efforts, honestly, the the, the only the only player on Cleveland right now where you could and maybe should expect big nights from other than LeBron is Kevin Love. Right. Kevin Love is the only other guy on this team where you look and you say, okay, this guy's a star. He can do 20 and 10 every night. He can, you know, he can be LeBron's LeBron's Robin, basically. But when you look at all those other guys, you know, Clarkson, he he can get you 18 points one night and then he'll get you four points the other night. And... You just have to like accept that. JR, same thing at this point. 
um, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance. You know, who knows what you're going to get out of those guys. Rodney Hood, inconsistent. Um, Corver is hurt right now, so you got to see if he get, comes back. Um, they, they, that Seti Osman experiment was never going to last long when it came to con- consistent success. Uh, he, he was like at the bottom of the bench for like four months, and then they, un- they unveiled him for a few weeks, and teams were like surprised, but all he basically is is energy. You need, you need some kind of real skill and production, and he hasn't, he hasn't had enough games to, to get comfortable with that yet. Um, so they, they have so many questions and holes, and I, you know, I just feel like, a team like the like Philly, like you got Embiid, you got Simmons. It faults is back now. It might be too much. I mean, it might be might be a young gun. Might be time for the young guns to do something. I don't know. Maybe, and 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 Corver will be back. I mean, his his brother passed away, so he's just taking that personal time, but. I mean, he he's fine, but even with him back, this team still has a lot of holes. Right, because he doesn't guard anyone. You know, he helps with the three point shooting with the spacing, but he doesn't really guard anybody. Um, none of these guys guard anybody. Who knows? Maybe they'll be- maybe they'll surprise us and they'll they'll hit another gear in the playoffs. I mean, they were playing well. I mean, they were winning like they won like five straight, and then they got smacked by the Heat. There's, they're they're the, one of these teams that they're gonna look really good against the bad teams, or the other, t- other teams that don't play defense. They're gonna beat those teams, and they'll sneak a couple wins against some good teams here and there. But consist consistently when they're playing other like playoff caliber teams, they just don't look that good this year. Nah, they don't. And that's and the that's problem. Where I, and that's a problem, especially when you get into the playoffs. I know they say you go against the same team, you know, you, you get to repair against one team yeah. for a few games, but at the same time, if you're not playing well, it doesn't matter. The other team has the same amount of time. They're going to make the same kind of switches, the same kind of adjustments, and you're going to have to play against that. And if you're not ready, then forget it. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, and not for nothing. Right now, they are slated to go up against the Wizards in a 3-6 first-round matchup. That's, that's going to be tough. John Wall's going to be back by then. That's a Wizards team that expects to be in the Eastern Conference Finals because they were knocking on the door last year. Right. So they're hungry. Yeah, they're hungry. Um, hopefully they play like that. You know they don't they don't do nonsense like wear black to the game and then lose, but they're they're also they're they're, they're a team with a, they're a team with a chip on their shoulder. They're not going to be happy that they're the six seed. They're gonna feel like they're better than that, and they're gonna want to prove that. I mean, actually, that might be the best thing for them, where they come in feeling disrespected. That's that's that might actually be like what they need to like play the way they're supposed to and not feel entitled like they have been this season. So that that's a tough matchup for, for Cleveland. And it's actually like a throwback. That's actually a throwback playoff matchup 
Because remember when LeBron was first uh, making the playoffs with Cleveland? He played the Wizards like three times or something in the first round. Yep, I remember. So that's a, that's a nice throwback. So that'll be interesting. That's going to be interesting. It's We're wrapping up. We're winding down. We're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And I think we're starting to... The answers to a lot of our questions are starting to form. And that's why the playoffs can't come soon enough. Because I'm sure half of what we said is going to like not even sound right anymore after like a couple games in the first round. You know, teams make adjustments. The cream rises to the, to the top. It is going to be fun. But I think that's all we have this week for the episode. Um... I know, Leif, you really didn't have a dude or dud of the week, but I have one. I have one. And All right, go for it. They're intertwined. So my dude of the week is Kemba Walker. I'm going to give it to Kemba you know Walker. You what? It's funny you say that because I, I thought about him last week and I totally forgot about him. Yeah, he had a great game. Yeah, I mean, 46 points, 10 three-pointers. It was just a reminder of how sad it is he's stuck on this Charlotte Hornets team. And remember where there was those trade rumors that he might go, and we were getting excited because we were thinking about the good teams that he could go to and he could finally, like, really put his name on the map and let everyone know how good he was. And then Jordan was like, nah, I'm just playing. I'm not going to trade Kemba. Now we're going to build a a lasting team around you and yeah yeah so that's depressing i mean i still i still wish they had traded him to the spurs that seemed like the right team they needed a point guard imagine if he was on the spurs right now that would be an awesome team that would be awesome they could even that team would with without Kawhi, but if they had kemba you still might even be able to see them being one of those top teams in the west but it's not to be. So he's my dude of the week. He was awesome. Went off on went off on the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are my dud of the week. They're my dud of the week because they lost by 61 points. Do you know what? What? That's not even the part that got me upset about that. The part what that got me upset about that when the reports came out that they were laughing and having a good time in the locker room. Oh my god. I mean tanking is one thing. But but chuckling after getting beat by sixty one points, like that's not even just oh, we didn't have it tonight. Like that's a historically bad loss. There's nothing funny about that, like you made history the wrong way. And this comes on the heels of what they had, a 19-game losing streak, right? Lost well, like 19 right. street, straight it's, games. I'm like that. They stunk it up. Yeah, they stunk it up. I mean, they're clearly, they're clearly bottoming out for to try and get the number one pick. Um, but... That was just a new level. And the thing is, you lost by 61 points to another lottery team. Think about that. It's not like the Cavs came in or the Warriors came in or the Rockets came in and you lost by 61 points to that team. The Charlotte Hornets 
beat you by 61 points. The Charlotte Hornets, who have 34 wins on the season, they're seven games under 500. That is the team you lost to by 61 points. 61 points, but now here's something for you. I think see now our our dude of the week is taking off. I think that we should have a a second tier of that dud of the week. Okay, explain to me. Second tier should go to the Wolves for losing to that same team. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. That was a good one. How, how did you how did you lose to a team who lost by sixty one points? How do you lose to that same team? Right. That's a good. That's a good follow up. That's a good follow up. I I don't know. I really I really can't explain that. That's kind of a that's kind of the problem with this team right now. Oh man. So. So yeah, we got to tear that maybe next time. So that's my dude. That's my dud of the week. I like it. Um, yeah, get your act together, Grizzlies. Jeez. And you know what? This is this is the penance you pay for firing Fizdale the way that you did this year. Yep. Take that for data. Right. Take, Take that for data. Exactly. That's <laughs> that is how we're ending the show. Take that for data. Uh, thanks everybody for listening as always you can catch us on Apple Podcasts Overcast, Google Play we're on all of that find us on Facebook facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast or on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod and talk to them life man thanks for listening you know we enjoy doing this and we hope we gave you some stuff to listen to And so I would like to say, take it easy later. And Calvin? Stay woke and stay mellow. Peace. Dang, what the heck was that? A whole season of TBD when it comes to the Cavaliers. That's basically been the, the motto of their season, TBD. We'll find out at some point later in time. To be decided. Yeah. Of course. So, that is all the topics we had this week. But we did want to wrap things up with Lace Dude and Dud of the Week. Awesome, awesome. Where should I start? Start with uh, the dude. Give me the dude. I want, I want the dude. I want the dude? All right. The dude is Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Just killing it right now with the triple doubles. And with his triple doubles, he had five in a row. OKC has won six in a row. They're streaking. Everything's looking good over in OKC. And man, Westbrook, I mean, over 100 triple doubles for his career. Very impressive. Very. An elite company. (laughs) Yeah, definitely elite company. I mean, especially the triple double he got against Toronto. I, I think that was a, a key performance for him and the team. Uh, you know, Toronto is finally acknowledged as a as a premier team. They they they're playing at an elite level th- this season and you know, so to go in Toronto and get that win, I think that was a signature win for for the for the Thunder. 
Yeah, I think that's one you're going to go back on and say, wow, that was a good win. So they needed that. It was good. All right, that was easy. That was easy, yeah. I think our dud is equally as easy. All right, hit me. I didn't have to think about it. Yes. It goes to Yusef Nurkic. Oh, man, I already know. I already know why you're giving it to him. Oh, man. Why did he jump? (laughs) Why did he jump? I mean, if he just stood there and act like he was going to take the charge, that's a whole complete different story. But he jumped. He got off his two feet and tried to block LeBron James. What were you thinking? Yeah, I think he was asking himself that once he was in midair, too. I mean, in case you haven't seen this yet, go on YouTube, go on Instagram, go on House of Highlights, Bleacher Report, NBA channel, whatever, and you will see LeBron basically jump three feet higher than Yusuf Nurkic and just pound it, hammer it on his head, just dunked it so viciously. Um... Man, I mean, there was one picture I saw on on Twitter and Instagram where Yusuf Nurkic is up. He's jumping in the air. He's got both hands up. Nurkic's face, his face was like at LeBron's waist. And they're both in the air. See? That's bad. Like, you, you you would never close to blocking that shot i mean i you know but you know that's the plight of the big man if you're a big man you got to go up for the block and he did that's and you know that's like basketball one-on-one big men jump for to, to block the dunks they don't just they don't just stay on the floor and and take that now you say you said maybe he should have took the charge i don't even think he should took the charge i think if he tried to take a charge it would look even worse I think it would look even worse. It would look like a Jason Terry situation. So you just get out the way. Yeah, I, that, that's one of those where you gotta make what's it called a business decision, as Jalen Rose likes to call it. <laughs> that's one yeah, of those where like, you, you gotta make a business decision. Just kind of like he could have did the thing where he like half jumped, where you like jump but kind of just turn your body away once you once you know you have no shot, or he could have just kind of turned away, turned his back and walked away. I don't think his teammates would have appreciated him doing that too much. But but there were other options for him. I mean, I I applaud his boldness. You're a bold young man, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you know, but Godspeed after that dunk. <laughs> oh man, that was horrible. That was bad. <laughs> oh man. Uh, good picks. Good picks. Love the dude. Love the dud of the week. Nurkic is my guy. I think he's a. I think he's a baller, but he got handled on that one. Yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. So wow. there you go. There you go. There you have it, guys. That's the episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You know where to check us out. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Overcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod. Check us out on Facebook. Like like our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast. You know, join the page, comment, get in the discussion, do ask us a question for the pod, 
whatever you like. You can also ask us questions on Twitter. We're accepting, accepting all of that. And uh, thanks for listening. Once again, we really appreciate the love, and we're going to continue to try and give you good stuff here. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure talking sports with you, talking basketball. And yep. like always, going to keep giving you a dope pod to listen to. And so for me, peace out. Thank you. And Calvin? Stay woke and stay mellow. Later.